Subject, auto-reply women's voices. Hello. You've written in to voice your dislike of one of our female reporters' voices. You're not alone. We have a filter set up that automatically sends these types of emails into a folder labeled zero priority. We'll review this folder and consider the complaints within, well, never. Amazingly, we don't even have a folder for complaints about the male voices on our show because we've never gotten one. Isn't that strange? We think so. Anyway, hope you can continue to enjoy our free podcast somehow. And if you can't, there are plenty of shows that don't feature women's voices at all. Signed, 99% Invisible. That's an auto-reply email that Katie Mingle wrote. She's a producer over at the 99% Invisible podcast, and she received so many listener complaints about their female voices that she created this auto-reply email system just to deal with it. But it begs the question, what's the obsession with how women speak if it's not vocal fry? It is my birthday, and we're allowed to have a little fun after all. Hi, guys. <laughs> Experts call it vocal fry. It's upspeak. I really care about how I'm getting super nervous and anxious. We overuse qualifiers by saying, I'm no expert, but... Yes, writing you're no expert essentially sends a red flag. And we rely way too heavily on words like like, just, actually, and sorry. 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 By the way, there's a new Gmail add-on to help you eliminate those words from your emails. It seems like we can't open our mouths without someone getting annoyed. From Refinery29, this is Strong Opinions Loosely Held, where we talk to today's culture makers and rule breakers to try and solve the mysteries of our modern popular culture. I'm your host, Elisa Kreisinger. If a woman is saying something intelligent and all a listener can hear is the way it's being said, is that her problem or is it theirs? I'm here with Amanda Marcotte, author of It's a Jungle Out There, The Feminist Survival Guide to Politically Inhospitable Environments, and politics writer at Salon. Welcome, Amanda. Thanks for having me. So you co-hosted a video series on the Game of Thrones. And in an article you wrote this summer for The Daily Dot, you said that when you began hosting, you braced yourself for comments about your voice. And I have a quote here for you. I had heard from countless women in the radio and podcasting world that no matter what you sound like, as long as you are a female speaking to a general interest audience, you will be told that you have an irritating voice. So you said that you were looking forward to the criticism. Why was that? I had been podcasting for a long time, but a feminist podcast, so people never said anything about my voice. Um, but I don't do much vocal frying or up talk or all the other things that people zero in on. So I thought it would be kind of a funny experiment. Like, what would they latch on to? Because I know that that's what they always do, that vocal fry and up talk are just excuses to bag on women for their voices. I thought it was more, more funny because it was proof of this whole thing that people say, which is that women's voices get picked on no matter what. I mean, it, it's my accent. It's the same accent that a lot of men have. I don't think you would have noticed it if it had been a man speaking. We can't open our mouths or have an opinion in general without offending someone. So is critiquing women's voices part of a larger pattern that you're seeing? I think the vocal fry thing is interesting because you see that complaint everywhere all the time that women fry their voices. And the fact of the matter is men fry their voices just as much as women do, but you only, you, the, to hear people talk about it, you would think it's only a female thing and that it's irritating, which it's not. You wouldn't even notice it if people didn't point it out. Why do you think it's people picking only on women? I don't think they intend to. I think that 
they have subconscious sexism that is compelling them to want to find some reason for this woman to not be talking. So you mentioned vocal fry and uptalk, and both of those are often attributed to young female speakers as tools of self-expression, ways to form relationships with each other. And in the New York Times, there was an article that said, as Paris is to fashion, the thinking goes, so are young women to linguistic innovation. Why do you think that is? I think that that's true for a lot of marginalized, especially young people, is that they kind of gravitate towards slang or interesting ways of talking, you know, because they already don't fit in, so there's no penalty that they're paying for being different. What would you tell a young woman who's been criticized for her voice? I think that people like to criticize young women because they enjoy doing it for its own sake. And it's it's just plain sexism. They're trying to make you feel self-conscious and second-guess yourself. I think people criticize women's voices for the same reason they're always obsessing about women's weight, which is to say it's like something that you can just constantly be going after and making them feel self-conscious about because there's nothing that you can kind of do about it. And it's just a sort of way to criticize them for just being in the world without actually saying that. The, this policing of women's voices seems very similar to the policing of women's bodies and women's appearances. I'm wondering, how does that happen? Is it just because we want women to shut up? You know, it sounds really harsh, but I can't think of any other reason that it must be. And I, again, I don't think that people necessarily are consciously thinking that. I think that they are subconsciously either just irritated by women or they don't think women have authority and they're like grasping around for a reason to justify this un discomfort with women speaking from authority. And of course, when women are speaking from authority, one of the easiest things to go after is how they speak. Right. Rather than any of the points that she's making. Yeah, exactly. Justifying not listening in the first place. Is it because people aren't used to hearing women speaking or perhaps women speaking with authority? I think that's exactly what it is. And I think that, therefore, the cure is for women to speak more and to just sort of to muscle through it. You know, we're only going to get used to it if we see it a lot. They're uncomfortable with your authority, but they want that to be your fault, not their fault for being sexist. So there must be something that you're doing wrong. And so they're looking for what that might be. And, you know, they'll zero in on vocal fry or up talk and say that you're not being professional. Yeah, one of the things that was so scary in researching and obviously reading everything you've written is so much research and scholarship has gone into this topic. And if there's a correlation to the way women speak and job loss or the amount of money they bring in or the types of jobs and the types of industries they're able to go and picking it apart when really it's just blatant sexism, dissecting that conversation pivots us away from the real conversation, which is a bunch of people trying to get this woman to shut up. There's now this whole thing obsessing over women's emails and what kinds of words they use in emails. And that's obviously because more of our communication is digital. You can't hear them. You can't see them. So now we're combing over their emails to see if they use words like just or sorry or whatever too much. And, you know, I joke to my editor, I'm like, first they come for your adverbs. And then <laughs> the nouns and the verbs are next. Just right. you watch. 
how do we overcome it? Like, what's the solution here? Obviously, just to, to you said earlier, to muscle through. But in a work situation in particular, the threat is real. Like, the pressure to dumb down your ideas or to say, I'm no expert, but is a real one because women are constantly going up against I don't want to be a bitch. I don't want to be a mean person, but I want to be good at my job. How do you negotiate those two realities? One of the things I, I kind of find frustrating a little bit about this conversation is how much it gets shifted towards talking about what women can do to fix the situation, which is at the end of the day, nothing. Because like if you, you know, you're, you are understandably worried about coming across it like a bitch in email. So you soften your language. And now I see articles saying if you do that, then you're too apologetic. It's a game that's rigged for you to not win. And so the only thing I can actually recommend is don't let this advice business about all this get you down. Talk how you talk. Ask yourself if a, if a man would have to put up with this. If the right. answer is no, then it's sexism. That's true. That's a great, I love that. The other thing I love is uh, what would a mediocre white man do? <laughs> exactly. Not even top tier. Exactly. Just mediocre. Yeah. What would your advice for men be? That's the thing. Men are doing just fine, aren't they? <laughs> Nobody bothers men. Is there a way that men can be an ally in this conversation? If you hear other men gri gripe, griping or grousing about women's voices, you know, speak up. Say, I think she sounds fine. You don't have to be like a feminist theorist about it, but you can say, I, you know, she sounds authoritative to me. Sally Herships has a unique relationship to this topic. She's a reporter for public radio, and her voice, her actual voice, was used as a part of an academic paper. Here's what happened. A linguist at Stanford heard her on the radio and felt her voice lacked credibility. So the linguist asked 584 people to rank Sally's voice. People under 40 thought she sounded authoritative. Those over 40 thought she didn't. And by the way, Sally had no idea any of this was happening. I talked to Sally and asked her how she felt about that. Day it came out, I got freaked out, and I remember my editor um, emailing me and being like, "Let me know if you want to talk, because, you know, it's sort of it's sort of weird to have your voice the subject of focus and by itself, and then to not know about it is even stranger, and then to be called out as representative of, of an entire group is even more bizarre." And yeah, I was kind of worried, like. I have a job and I need to pay my rent and earn money. And I kind of thought, you know, what, what are the people who pay me going to think of this? Like, is this going to give, you know, shows or outlets that might hire me pause? Like, we don't want to hire Sally Herships because people under the age of 40, you know, only people under the age of 40, you know, find her voice authoritative like that. That kind of would suck. The result was that people under 40 found that you were authoritative and those over 40 didn't find you authoritative. Which is kind of weird, right? Because I'm 42. So that means my own peers, including me, wouldn't find me or other women my age authoritative sounding. So is that just people over 40 are sexist? What, what does that say when you found that? What does that mean to you? I mean... I'm not a researcher. I haven't looked into this, but to me, it just means, you know, we more and more women have been getting into media. We grew up in a time when I don't think women held 
you know, women's voices were voices of authority in the same way that they are now. And so I think it's just a new experience. I say with a smile on my face, it's a new experience. Welcome. <laughs> like, welcome to the new experience, people right. over 40. Yeah, welcome. Right. Welcome to a world where women have opinions and they express them in public spaces. So I've seen criticism about voices thrown at women. Do you think this is a female-only phenomenon? No, that's so ridiculous. And, and it's just crazy. Um, I was just riding the subway over here with my friend Ann Hepperman, and she's a really super talented radio producer. And one of the things that she worked on, besides her own amazing stories, she also produces pieces for Slate and for a, a podcast called Slate Culture Gab Fest. She produced a really great mashup, for lack of a better term, of male vocal fry, which is pretty amazing. And now in class, because I teach, when I play examples of vocal fry for my students, when they ask what it is, I'm like, well, this is vocal fry. And all the samples just happen to be men. Welcome to the show. I am bad at planning in advance. Juice box, where I met a guy who was close friends with him in Milwaukee. I grew up outside of Chicago. A uh, separate ground in which you may want to intervene. Man, sometimes I really drop the ball. What has been going on with Reddit? Hitting the heavy bags, doing the sit-up. Uh, you might actually even frame this as helping the garage owner to avoid liability. This is not something that I have a specific tweet for. For the next five weeks. And the question I think you're wondering is... Why? Ira Glass has vocal fry. A lot of people have vocal fry. Like, I mean, I kind of like I'm kind of bored with it. People are dying in Syria. Why are we so fixated on the way women speak? Do you remember the first time you were criticized for the sound of your voice? I don't know if I remember exactly the first time, but there are moments that stand out. Like I was working on a story for a local station that shall remain nameless. And the editor, who shall remain nameless, who is also a woman, she was like, wow, your voice, you're going to have to work on that. <laughs> like, yeah. And she was like, it's really high. And I got really flustered and uncomfortable because you can't really do much about your voice. So that definitely stands out. And um, I, I, do have, I do have a collection of in a folder on my computer here that I've brought with me, which I've labeled Love Mail. Um, which are some selections of special emails and tweets and messages and things that I've gotten and found online about my voice. At Sureships, once you stop speaking like a little girl, you might actually be worth listening to. Dear Sally, I'm an avid NPR listener and have enjoyed your reporting very much. Nice start. As far as content goes, you're quite good. So please don't take this too personally, but it's gotten to the point that I'm turning off news reports because of it. And then she tries to make me feel better by saying, I think I'm giving her a little cred and you're not the only one doing it. It being the return of the Valley Girl voice, exclamation point. Have a good critical listen to one of your pieces. I've never done that. And you'll hear a pronounced raspiness that creeps in at the end of most of your sentences. Thank goodness the days of Franklin D. Roosevelt theatrical oratory are over. Thank goodness. But something has shifted lately. If you'll have a listen to other NPR reporters, parentheses, always female, you'll also hear it in their voices. 
I don't know what has created this trend. Like the Valley Girl voice, it's certainly not a natural way of speaking and would have to be consciously produced. No matter the reason or source, it lends a quality to radio voices that's beginning to obscure the substance of their reporting, at least to this listener's ears. And once you hear it, it's hard to hear anything else. Best regards, Laura. What did it feel like to get that from another woman? I got, I think I remember getting pretty upset, actually, when I got this. But my attitude has shifted a lot since then. To what? Now what's your attitude? Now I just feel like, like, really? You kind of need something better to do. Like, this is how you're choosing to spend your time? Where does someone get off complaining about my voice? Why don't you talk to me about my reporting? Do you have a problem with the numbers or the statistics or the sources or the facts or the writing? How do you feel about your voice? I find it annoying. Your own voice? Oh, yeah, for well, sure. Why is that? Um, I find my voice very annoying. It, it's hard for me to listen to back in, in this setting. It's very difficult. I, well, I find the same thing. Like, I don't like listening. Who likes listening to themselves? That's my question. <laughs> I, I Do men? I don't, I don't think we can stereotype like that. You're, you're a better woman than I. <laughs> do you have any advice for a new host who doesn't like their own voice? When you tell a radio story, I think the idea is you're supposed to be like this better version of yourself, right? You're supposed to speak like you're in a crowded restaurant talking right. to someone across the table. And you don't want to be super casual. You want to have a little bit more authority and confidence, but that takes time. How was yeah. this? How was this exchange? This is, this is great. You have a lovely voice. Amanda and Sally had strong opinions. Now I want to hear yours. Tweet me at PopCultPirate with your opinions on women's voices. And make sure to use the hashtag S-O-L-H. That stands for Strong Opinions Loosely Held. Our show today was produced by me, Elisa Kreisinger, with help from Catherine Ann Connolly for Refinery29. It was edited by Caitlin Pierce, and we recorded with Paul Ruest. Please subscribe to Strong Opinions Loosely Held on iTunes and rate us while you're there. You can find an interview with me about this episode, along with other episodes and stuff that we left on the cutting room floor at refinery29.com. See you back here next Monday.